some of our brothers and sisters in the occupied zone. The chair is against the wall. The chair is against the wall. John, the long mustache. Right now, I got a few words from some of our brothers and sisters in the occupied zone. Stay closer to victory. And for all of you out there on or behind the lines, this is your song. And welcome everybody. Let's go. Welcome everybody to our Daily Gun Show. We come to you live every weeknight at night Eastern. For about an hour, we talk about guns. We've got Angelina joining us from California. Thanks for joining. Hello from hot California. Uh, we got Clover joining us from cool Texas. Jumping in. That's uh, so cute. Angelina's <laughs> talking about hot. That's funny. And then we got a uh, cycle camp jumping in from blisteringly hot Connecticut. Oh yeah, bad another bad day today. Went out and tried to do some work in the yard, and it was not a good clothing day. You got naked. And my neighbors would object. Luckily, it's the spring, and they can't see through the leaves. And I'm down here in Tucson, so y'all day. Yeah, it's hot. It's so, an icebox to the southwest, right? Yeah. Cool down here. All right. So uh, today is Monday, and we uh, talk about guns. And on Mondays, we usually talk about the events that are coming up. We talk about behind the scenes a little bit, and we talk about what happened over the weekend. So uh, anything to start off the show, anything happened over the weekend? Um, nothing for me. What about for you? <clears throat> well, people started going ballistic over the, the next nomination. Before he even picked anybody, they were going berserk. I just thought it was hilarious. Brandon jumped into Matt's chat earlier and said something about they picked somebody today. They picked somebody? Yeah, he, well, he, he nominated somebody. Yep, Brett Kavanaugh. Yeah, he's okay. Yeah, he's not too bad. I guess as long as it makes the other side mad, I guess it works. I mean, anyone's going to make him mad. doesn't matter who it was. Yeah, anybody he picks, yeah. Oh, yeah, he, he, could, he could nominate Obama's top pick, and they would go bullshit just because he was the one doing it, so... There's no rational thought behind any of this stuff. So, and I know, I gee, I know you don't want to talk about you know political events of the day and all that, but I just thought it was funny that that you know, I mean Malloy and uh, here in Connecticut, Malloy and and uh, uh, Blumenthal and uh, Smurphy, uh, uh, Murphy were were they were already oh we're so uneasy about the potential pick. It's like that's news. Who cares? Take you know take an antacid and go to bed. <laughs> Not a big deal. Yeah, I mean, well, the Supreme Court things, it's big for guns, so um, it's relevant. Yeah, right. All right, well, I mean, that's the weekend, so. Uh, I think uh, Tony said three more st uh, counties, so it's a total of 30-something counties now in Illinois, or sanctuary counties. Oh, God. Oh, uh, for guns, you mean? Yeah, they're not going to agree with the state well, that's good. federal gun laws, and or they're not going to abide. And then uh, he said there's 
did he say there's 40 more that are you know progressing through the works now that the other 30 have done it there's a hundred counties in illinois so potentially going to go from a third of the counties to 70 percent of the counties potentially well i generally thought i generally thought that illinois was kind of a bad state as far as gun rights were concerned well only because illinois has all the votes all the population but once you get the rest of the state motivated that's one of the ways that they can express their dissatisfaction i guess again they've got 100 counties like two or three of them are in the city i got reached out to by a couple of uh political candidates asking me to work on their campaigns so uh that was kind of cool over the weekend i just sent my email back to one of them telling them what i was willing to do and not do I'm not a walker. I don't walk up to people's houses and knock on their doors. I, I don't do that stuff. I don't like that. But I don't mind harassing them on the telephone or doing office work and stuff like that. So, Oh, so not like you have a talent that we know about and we're coming to you for that, but just we need bodies or we need laborers and we so you're, you'd help or we're asking you. Well, no, and I had signed up at one, of, at one of the CCDL regular meetings. They came and gave their pitch and I signed up, you know, to say, hey, if you need some help, give me a call. So it, it wasn't a, like a total cold call. I mean, I knew they were going to be getting a hold of me sooner or later. Because you know me, I'm pretty active. That's kind of cool. Is that something you've done before, or is this a new thing for you? No, I've done it before. I, I've done uh, I've done phone banks and uh, and stuff like that. Usually it's phone banking. It's a little tough because if you don't know the guy really well, you know, a lot of times you get people, they challenge you with questions on the phone. And honestly, so a lot of times you just don't know the answer of his particular stance on a particular issue. But, and, and of course, we're calling, we're obviously not calling people we think are already on our side. We're calling people that are like independents or unaffiliated. And that, that can be a kind of twitchy bunch. Interesting. So does it, turn out to be conversations or is it just a lot of hangups? Oh, no, a lot of, a lot of times it's, it's conversations. It, it, it is an awful lot of, you know, people are like me, if they see a number they don't recognize on the phone, they don't answer it. And so I have a, a usually I, I work up like a 30 or 40 second patois that I, and I leave a message. So that way they see that somebody actually took the trouble to leave a message and, and you know, they listen to it after that. So that's a, that's the best you can do, you know. Yeah, it's an effort. Um, so uh, I didn't think about it this morning because I was tired, I guess, but uh, it's also the fifth anniversary now of Chicago um, removing the restrictions on concealed carry. So this is their anniversary for the last state to uh, restrict CCW. So it's been five years since every state has at least some form technically. Yeah, whether you can actually get the permit or not, at least they have a process you could allegedly go through. Yep. So that's something that we oftentimes think about. Uh, oh, what are we, you know, what are, where are we won lately? Or, you know, what are we gaining? Well, that's, you know, it's a, it was definitely a, a feat to get every state, especially Illinois, to get on board. So. Uh, that's one of those things. And now we've had five years. There's no issues at all. There's nothing they can complain about. None of their fears about people carrying concealed. Blood in the streets. They'll be, be like the Wild West. People will be shooting each other at a moment's notice. And every time they get in a traffic jam. I mean, if I heard that once, I've heard it a thousand times. 
Right, and there's another five years. We can acknowledge five years now that Illinois, the last state one that held out for the longest because of those kind of fears and concerns, you know, none of that has come true. So when we're having conversations with people or whatever, keep that in mind. All right, well, it's behind the scenes day. So, um, well, let's talk about software. So I've been using the Adobe software and been watching my stuff, you know that I don't have that anymore. So I went out seeking new uh, low cost or free equivalents, ideally, or at least uh, substitutions for some of the software packages I was using to do graphic work uh, for publishing, like the, the cards and for uh, web stuff, you know, just graphics and banners and things for the web. Uh, then uh, software to render video, to create video. And then, uh, well, I'm not going to find, I don't think, anything to uh, duplicate the, the cartoon puppetry stuff that Adobe could do. But uh, just some of the other stuff like Adobe uh, Acrobat, you know, it was kind of handy having the actual reader and the creator. Um, I'm sure I can find things that duplicate that effort, but um, not super satisfied with the video so software I found. So I, you guys, what do you guys use for your video editing? Um, I use that the Adobe one or iMovie. The one built into Mac. Yeah, the Mac one. I use uh, Power Director. Which I had been using, and I got rid of that one to start using the Adobe one because it was so much nicer. But it looks like I might have to go back to that one. You're using an old one or a new one, or you know? Uh, I go back and forth between fourteen and sixteen. I think one. My wife bought sixteen. I think it is when she started doing stuff with gun gals and whatever. So I've got a copy of it on my laptop, but then my desktop has like 14, I think, on it or something. And I mean, it works fine. I don't have any problems out of it. No, I never had any problems other than when I would do fast forward stuff, which I like to do, where you take a big long file and you speed it up like, you know, many, many times to make it shorter without just, you know, editing pieces out. So it just happens and fast forward. Uh, that took forever with that stuff, but only about a third as long as it's taken with this open source one. But compared to the Adobe, it took just forever. The Adobe could just do that stuff in the blink of an eye. I don't know what they did, but it's magic. Well, that's the way it's accessing the processors and stuff like that. It's probably different. It's got to be temp files or something, too, because when I removed Adobe, it removed something like 13 gigs. And I removed a couple of different packages, but 13 gigabytes for maybe like five packages. After Effects, the... Premiere, Illustrator, Photoshop, and maybe a couple others. But uh, each of the ones I installed, like the graphics and the video, a gig each, not even like a three quarters of a gig each. So, yeah, they must have had massive, massive infrastructure that, well, something had to be different. A lot of them, it's, it's the, you know, they, they come with a ton of add ons and stuff. And when you install that, it just sucks a lot of. A lot of disk space up. I I used Microsoft Movie Maker when I first started doing it, and I liked it because it was. I, I'm a uh, I'm a very simple kind of guy, so I like just basic, simple. You know, give me a give me a way to put uh, titles, captions, and edit video, and I'm happy. And I went to Power Director because everybody, you know, raved about it. And to be honest with you, I, I use it, but I don't like it that much because I have a very difficult time if I have to edit. Uh, 
audio and stuff, when I bring it back, it's never in sync. It's always out of sync when I bring it back. And so I, I don't really, oh, 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 they've caught me, guys. I'll see you later. I got to duck out the back door now with all my uh, guns that fell off of my boat the other day. No, just kidding. But the, uh, yeah, the, so I like PowerDirector, but I, I, it's audio editing capability kind of sucks. And, and uh, I watched uh, Clover's uh, uh, Patreon, uh, uh, you know, shooting the, the 357, the Model 65. And again, all your, it's all reversed. All, all your, like, the stuff on your T-shirts backwards, the Coca-Cola can titles are backwards and stuff. I don't know what's going on with that software. Is it a, like, how much, is that, like, a, a Windows-based thing? Power Director is, yeah. Yeah, I've never heard of it. It's like a hundred, I got it for, like, a. I got a special on it, and I got, like, I think I bought it towards the end of last year, and I paid like around a hundred bucks for it. It was not terribly expensive, as software goes. You say mine was reversed? Oh yeah, go go look at it on YouTube. It's all ass backwards. Well, that's that's not the uh, that's not the software because that was a live stream through YouTube. Yeah, that oh, was a, a, a oh. or something. So there, I I accidentally punched a weird. Yeah. So probably your camera, camera must have been mirroring it, and you like. You saw that it was doing that, and you flipped it to reverse it, which was actually reversing for all of us. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. Something was up, and it reversed it. Apparently, I guess. Hmm. I didn't notice that. I'm glad somebody brought that to my attention. Yeah, no, no big deal. You know, the content was fine. It was just I just happened to notice it was flipped, and and oh, so um. Enrique said DaVinci Resolve is awesome, so I've been looking at their website here. I can't tell if it's for what it is. And I can tell a couple of things that it does. It looks like it can do some editing, video editing. Or, you know, oh, well, maybe that is video editing. Yeah, I can't tell what it is. The world's fastest and most advanced professional NLE. What's NLE? MLE? Not uh, Nancy Lima Edward. Oh, I don't. <clears throat> anyway, so um, yeah, so I found a software that works pretty good, but the rendering times are just horrible. They just don't work. So um, I'm going to keep looking for a, a video editor, but uh, um, I don't know. Do you guys do vector at all? I know Angelina uses Illustrator, but do you guys deal with the uh, Vector stuff, or you just do your stuff with uh, Photoshop style software? Oh, uh, no vector, Victor. I'll very, very rarely use Illustrator and do some vector stuff, but I've got a buddy that he owns a sign shop locally, and I mean, he anything I want, I usually shoot it to him, and then he takes him like five minutes where it'll take me hours. That's always a good way to go for sure. And I did that for a while too, but especially when you have certain tasks to do. There's like things like Fiverr and stuff. You can find somebody that's decent. You can uh, get stuff done on the cheap. But when you got enough stuff that costs too much time and um, just you know, it starts to add up if you have changes or duplicates. Nonlinear editor. 
Yeah, I don't know what that means, but similar to Premiere, and now it has some new special effects called Fusion. So I guess, um, I don't know still what non-linear editor it means, but uh, Premiere is Adobe's uh, video software, and I guess you could consider it more than that. You know, it's tough. When you start talking about the Adobe packages, um, there's a lot of them, and there's some nuance to them, and I think that might help people if they've never thought about this and we're going to dig into this I think, a little bit so adobe is a company that i don't even know how long it's been around let me go look because i don't know it's like you've been in the business for a while what did adobe actually start as god adobe's been around forever i think they were a print driver or something where wasn't there a thing to be able to get it off of this because it was frustrating back in the day whatever was on your screen did not print and adobe created uh, applications that allowed whatever was on your screen and whatever it is you were working with to actually print the way you see it. I think that was their, that at least that's the first stuff I remember seeing about Adobe. Yeah. And then they were, they were one of the first people that, that really got into PDFs. Well, they, yeah, you know, they are PDFs. You know, they're, I mean, they're pretty much the PDF powerhouse. So, and then that, that's been, God, that's been around 30 years. So it started off in John Warnock's garage uh, in Ooh. Los Altos. Um, California. Oh yeah, 1982. Oh no, wait. Yeah, Enrique says Adobe was a digital font company, and they're the ones that actually developed PostScript uh, programming language. Oh, okay. So if they started, That's pretty cool. That was basically a universal font that could be sent to a printer and would look the same on your screen, right? So you didn't mm. see one thing on your screen and different thing on your print. Yeah, it was a WYSIWYG printer. So uh, it says it was created in 1982. Um, and then Jobs wanted to buy the company for $5 million. They refused. Investors urged them to work something out, so they agreed to sell them for shares for 19% of the company, for which Jobs paid a five times multiple of their company's valuation at the time, plus a five-year license fee for the postscript. And, well, I think that was a good, um, what would you call it, like relationship, because obviously... That's Matt a good investment, yeah. Well, Mac went to the whole graphics end, and that's probably one of the pieces that allowed him to do it. And obviously, they would have been doing; they would have been a really cool tool that did nothing on Windows, right? So, oh yeah, when when we had a when we had a data center, I worked in our data center, but I also worked as a technical IT guy at the print shop, and it was really funny because everybody on the main data center was IBM and and Microsoft and everybody in uh, in uh, the print center was Unix and 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 uh, Apple. Yeah, it was crazy because because they had the best digital stuff I and mean, graphic stuff. I mean, you just couldn't touch them. Yeah, it was more like the hardware determined the what you bought, like the hardware determined what it could do, and then that's what determined what you're going to buy. So it sounds like from they started in '82, in four years by '86. They uh, had grown to revenue of roughly a billion dollars. No, eighty-six, ninety-nine, and by nineteen ninety-nine, they were up to a billion dollars. So it took them a little while, but in a matter of almost less than two decades, they got up to a billion dollars. In two thousand and twelve, they were four billion dollars, and that's I think when they started to. No, that's not when they started. They started to buy stuff at some point, and that's when some of these companies you could tell not only were they clever, but they were also Mm, what do you call it? Like able to see the where the trends were going, where the future was going. So buying Photoshop was not 
dumb. I don't. I mean, yeah, it wasn't an accident. I guess I'm saying that was strategic, right? They knew yeah, that the shrewd call. Yeah. So they bought that. They bought um, Macromedia at some point and got all the the um, stuff that we were using to build websites and stuff back in the day. And that stuff changes yeah. or whatever, but it was certainly neat when Adobe grabbed it. I remember that being kind of cool. Did you ever use uh did you ever use Dreamweaver? Oh yeah, yeah. We started the whole thing in Dreamweaver back in the olden days. Dreamweaver was awesome. Macromedia. Yeah. Macromedia, or, I mean Dreamweaver was like how would you describe it? If everybody else was building websites and like these little horse and buggy, little crude little garbage or by hand shop like co carts. And then Macromedia or Dreamweaver came along and it was like a rocket ship. Like it was it just was like it was sort of like Wix is nowadays for websites. Oh, but wait, no, way more powerful. Well, it was, I, yeah, it was. I think it was. Everything yeah, else was, was like more involved. A little fourteen dollar, like at the gas station. Here's a toolkit for your car. That was normal website builders. And then Macromedia was like having a snap-on luxury garage with the lift and tool. Yeah, that's a better. Yeah, that's a better analogy. Yeah. Yeah, it was just 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 an amazing thing. Anyway, so they bought that. And it was the same way that Photoshop dominates image manipulation. Dreamweaver dominated because the other option was Microsoft, and their stuff was horrible, horrible. Front, front page, yeah. Okay, so anyway, um, I think my, Adobe's been a neat company. So now what we were getting at is they have a lot of these applications, I guess, or software packages, and that's where I think just going through some of them here might be useful just in the general thing because they kind of break down what, applications you would actually need. In other words, they they kind of span the whole market. So I guess they break them down on Wikipedia here as graphic design, web design, video editing, audio editing, whatever the hell e-learning is, digital marketing, whatever that is, server software. Okay, so stuff we don't care about. And then stock. Now, Angelina might be able to give us some insight into the stock one. But when we talk graphic design, that's where we keep talking about uh, Photoshop and an Illustrator. So you're what is it? Vector graphics versus your uh, raster images? Is that what it is? Yep. So, um, so Photoshop is you take an image and it's very much like going into a dark room with an old negative. You're going to go in there and you're going to lighten it up. You're going to fade out little areas. You're going to create sharpness or clarity where there might have been some out of focus stuff or create fuzz or blur where you had focus. And what you're going to do is you're going to manipulate that image as if it was a giant paint-by-numbers set or a giant puzzle that you could pick up every little piece of the puzzle and change the color of it or do something to it so that you can basically tweak this existing image ultimately. Uh, I don't know what PageMaker does. Does that shove it onto the Internet or something? Um, creation of laser writer. So that's just something to help you print. Lightroom, though, is definitely like... Just the pieces of, of Photoshop or like even more extreme Photoshop letting you go in there and burn out. Like if you just took a poor picture and you had some dark areas, it's literally what you would have done in a what, dark room with a, with film, from what I understand. Lightroom reads like the, uh, the pixels in your picture. So like if there's a dark area, you can lighten it, you can lighten it without ruining the image. Like, cause it can take like the overall tone and see that as a wave, and then you can manipulate the wave instead of having to deal with the actual pixels. But yeah, dude. So if you shoot like camera raw, 
and you edit in Lightroom, you have so much control over that image. Like, it's crazy. If you're into, like, photo touch-ups or anything, Photoshop is, like, way, way lower level. Like, that's the kind of thing you run when you've, like, perfected your exposure. Because I can, um, like, if you shoot in RAW, you can edit the exposure and you won't lose your image. So it's not going to blow it out. It's going to expose it. So it'll either, you know, more exposure or less exposure, but you can, like, perfect your exposure and your curves and everything. Like, it's really powerful for photography. It's great. Uh, then you get to InDesign, which is, like, your desktop publishing. It's, uh, like, the layouts and stuff for brochures and catalogs and that kind of thing, from what I understand. Um, sort of like um, there's a Microsoft version of that I can't think of. Oh, thank you for whoever did that. That would be publisher. Um, would it be publisher? Yeah. Uh, so it's almost kind of, I don't like it. I'd rather go into a, a software package that gives you a little more power, uh, more, more ability, because it's sort of like blocky or WYSIWYG. Uh, I don't know what InCopy is. Designed to publish printed material, newspapers. Image ready, so another one. Illustrator, though, so that's where we were talking over here with Photoshop. That's where you're manipulating the thing like a giant uh, um, pixelated image. You're dealing with each of those pixels with Adobe Illustrator. If there's a picture of this letter A, it doesn't care about the pixels at all. It just makes a mathematical equation for the letter A, and then you tell some part of the math that the inside is going to be orange. And it just doesn't matter if that thing is the size of a dot on a Know, period on a, on a text over here, or if it's the size of a billboard or even bigger. It's just always going to be that mathematical equation for the letter A. So it can never have a jagged line or an inconsistency. Everything will always look perfect at any scale. And it's just a different way of accomplishing an image on a computer. But in my experience, after I've used it, uh, it's just so much more useful because Photoshop is great for I guess if you want to be super creative about the shades and the shapes and stuff, but Adobe or with Illustrator, you can get just as specific about colors and shapes and everything. But when you're all done, you can feed the resulting file into like a plotter, into a water cut, or a water cutter, into a you know a jet uh, cutter, into a or a plasma cutter or whatever, like a 3D printer, into a sewing machine. That is just a much more useful result of a your effort, I think, in Adobe, or I mean, in Illustrator. Right. Uh, but that being said, the stuff kind of looks cartoony. It definitely looks like logos and cartoony. You can get, you know, you can't draw like as realistic or as photorealistic or whatever that would be. I don't think with Illustrator as much. You can. If you're good, you can. Absolutely. You get close. And then it'll create a massive file compared to Photoshop, probably. Yeah, I mean, it, but it'll print, you know, you can print it on a billboard. Or you can print it on a business card. So I don't know what freehand is, computer application for creating two-dimensional vector graphics. Probably just a faster illustrator or something. And then Fireworks is, um, that was to do like little animated GIFs and stuff, right? On a website, it was to take text and animate it. I remember right and it was kind of neat for a minute and then people got sick of having to wait for that to load on their page and then it would get annoying because the thing would just keep going repeatedly and people got you know it was a fad that went away yeah 
I don't remember using fireworks for very long. Yeah, everything, Acrobat, went, everything went flash. Yeah, exactly. Which, so was, Adobe, Dreamweaver, which was Adobe, too. <laughs> yeah, so Macromedia was flash, and then Adobe bought it. So Dreamweaver we talked about is their uh, web development software. I haven't used it in forever. Um, I just don't build websites that way anymore, but I can only assume it's still amazing. Um, you got things like Contribute now. So I don't know if you do this, but let's say I was building a website for, uh, I don't know, like a pizza place, and they had three different locations. And part of the spec for the website is they wanted to be able to order cheese, you know, so that each night the, the manager could go in there and tell the delivery truck in the morning how much cheese they were going to need. Um, there's different ways to build that into a website and contribute is like Adobe software that just lets that kind of plug right into your project, I think. It lets like multiple clients plug in and become like minor editors to a project or something like that. Edge is just Adobe has to give credit to Edge because Edge was around before Adobe. So they give honor to him. Flash is the... Um, I don't even know if Flash is anymore. Is it a thing anymore? It used to give animation. It is uh, South Park. South Park was built in Flash, right? Um, I think so. So it was originally just a way to make like a uh, little little guy jump up and say, "Hey, do you need tech support on your website? Like, do you want to order?" Or like, this thing is popping open. It was just a way to make that happen, and then people figured out they could do a lot more with it, like a lot of these software packages. And uh, anyway, I don't think anybody really uses Flash too much anymore, though. Uh, no, it's kind of, yeah, that's why your, uh, you know, Chrome doesn't have the native support for on and on and off with Flash and that kind of stuff anymore. Doesn't have a lot of diversity with it. It's, 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 I think it's on its way out. I don't know what has replaced it or will replace it, but. Oh, a million things. But then that's the thing. Some of these are like the web just moves along. Like some some of the stuff required a code in a web page that would capital and then refresh the web page for the code to be reread. And then they figured out ways to have that happen without the page needing to refresh, at least so the, the viewer didn't need it. Yeah. So if that happened, Flash was like, why would we use something that's it's like well, having and, a carriage for a horse and you got engines now? Yeah, and another thing to keep in mind too is the software actually has has actually grown faster than the internet speeds are capable to run said elements of the software. You're talking web design. Oh, that's a great point. That's happened a few times, right? Where we could do so much more than the internet happen. But it wouldn't load on the page, you know, yeah. with a slow internet. Yeah. And then it'll go the other way, where the internet's so dang fast that you you can you can just. And then they'll yeah, and then you'll have issues where somebody clients can see the place great, but their customers can't. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and you deal with that with not only on the internet side, but you deal on that with the um, with software side as well. When you're talking about dealing with hardware components, you've got some software still nowadays. I mean, it it'll only it's brand new software, and it'll it runs on one core is all it accesses, regardless of whether you got a quad core or octa-core or whatever right so that's uh that's a thing too so uh i hope you're pouring something for everybody there whoever's pouring that so then we got a couple other video things here the premiere pro is one i've been working on and if anything gets me back to adobe you know illustrator was certainly pleasant to work with this premiere pro is winning me over to adobe again um and i'm no adobe 
whatever. I just happen to respect a lot of their software, and uh, I don't hate them or anything. It's like it's not like a company that's done anything negatively. I don't think, other than just being giants in the industry and charging for their software. Yeah, and when companies get that way, you know, when they have a certain amount of dominance. I mean, look at Apple, look at Microsoft, look at Adobe. You know, unfortunately, that's what happens. Turn around without their mic on. The classy show here. I'm not used to this. So, uh, so the premiere was pretty cool. Uh, there was different pieces of it I never really got into because I never really digged into uh, making my stuff fancy. But I know that what After Effects is what you guys are using to do the cool, like intro things where like your graphic might spin around and explode, and make some kind of noise or something, as like a video intro, um, or to make like a really cool title thing at the end or something, and. Uh, one of these things was the uh, puppet software. It might have been Adobe Animate. That was super cool. Uh, then you got uh, audio stuff. I've never used any of their audio stuff, but I can only imagine it's pretty neat. Like fire, so that has to be pretty interesting. Oh, yeah. I think I was using it <clears throat> to add um, audio to After Effects stuff. And it was actually super easy and pretty powerful. Uh, so then you get some e-learning stuff, which I probably should pay more attention to because it might be neat, and there might be some application to the 2A history project, actually, depending on how it's set up. A lot of times these things are set up with really powerful back ends, and then because they know that the person you're presenting it to or the, the website you're putting it on you know, isn't going to be visited by people who also have the super expensive software packages, uh, the experience from the visitor side is usually not not you don't need plugins or anything it's all designed to just work for them so i imagine if their learning stuff is the same way there might be some powerful tools in there just help archive and distribute you know learning type of stuff but i'm just guessing there i don't know i'm not watching the chat if people are giving us some info on this i know enrique uses a lot of this stuff there's probably others out there that use these things um and what's neat i think about adobe is it's not cheap um as i've been pricing it if you just didn't do anything and you just paid for it, um, it's like $700 a year. And if you pay for it yearly, I think it goes down to six. So it's not a massive savings. There's ways to do it with um, uh, uh, school, um, an email address from a school if you're a student or a teacher. And you can get it a little cheaper, uh, but it's still uh, not free. They offer it. You can buy one item. So you can go up here and pick one thing, like Photoshop, for example. And I think it's what? Depending like thirty to fifty dollars a month, depending on if you pay for it, you know, like a year's worth of service or uh, uh, just one month at a time, uh, or if you get the whole package, it's like twice as much. So it's they they priced it in a way that you might as well just get the whole package. And that one is if you pay for a month to month, seventy dollars or eighty dollars a month. And if you agree to pay for a year at a time, I think it takes it down to sixty dollars a month. But sixty dollars a month. Uh, not cheap but it's uh, cheaper than I don't know cable or something and uh, you do get a lot of software you get all of this stuff plus more probably well that Adobe stock is pretty neat yeah so that's what I was gonna say did have you used this stuff Angelina or have you used it Clover I haven't don't I mean I've used Illustrator off and on and I don't know what have I used as far as we're talking about you know any type of a media stuff Illustrator and Photoshop is about it for me. 
but I haven't used it. But um, I guess depending on what you're doing, uh, having access to 57 million high-res royalty-free images, I guess, and videos, um, that could be pretty handy. Since a lot of times you can do something for money, uh, you need to worry about all that, right? Yeah, you're talking about thumbnails. You're talking about, you know, 57 million. That's a lot of pictures. <laughs> so odds yeah. are you're going to probably find something in there you can use for a thumbnail, right? Yeah, and if, if nothing else, I imagine just if you need to get a project done and they've got something done for you already, you know, a whole bunch of graphic work done that you can just grab and use, mm -hmm. it's got to be efficient right there, you know, save some time. Yeah. Yep, yep. That was interesting. It, down here it says, since 95, Fortune has ranked, uh, Fortune Magazine has rated ranked Adobe as an outstanding place to work. It was rated fifth best company in 2003, sixth in, th in 2004. I guess it's gotten worse. But uh, for a while there, it was the fifth best company in the U.S. to work for. Must have been some pretty good incentives to get, keep people there, I guess. Well, you've got a couple of things to consider. You've got growth issues to consider. You've got competition to consider. A lot of, lot of different things. But they do a lot. Um, I know Adobe does a lot with creators. I know a lot of the courses that I do and stuff like that, a lot of those are in the, they, they're sponsored by Adobe. And then Adobe, some of the really big creators, Adobe actually gives them access to their labs. Um, they hold several events. I don't want to necessarily say conventions, but that type of thing so adobe's really involved in the whole online marketing media community which is a good business strategy for them right hmm. reading the chats now and dead horse brings up an interesting point what happens on show 666 and will it take place on halloween I don't think so. We go look at Halloween is going to be on a Wednesday, but now any six has to happen on a Monday. Our Fridays are fives and zeros. So it can't happen. You guys were talking about coding over there. That's horrible. We'll never talk about that because no one will ever have to do that again. Although, I don't know what happens nowadays when you get into this that's stuff. Not like, that's not necessarily true. Right. Like, <laughs> I, have to edit, I have to edit code quite regularly. Yeah, when you got to go fix yeah, something. Glad. So yeah. And I'm, and I'm glad I've got that background. You know what I mean? I don't have to write, I don't have to write a website in HTML anymore, but. All but of if that you background underneath the one, you know what you're yeah. looking at. All of yeah. that background certainly is great experience for being able to modify and tweak and find problems. And yes. All right. So uh, right on. So we talked a little bit about nerd stuff there. I don't know if it was helpful for anybody. It's kind of interesting a little bit on this end. So uh, it's like people had a couple of conversations about stuff. So, I mean, are you finding, uh, so you've been using with Inkscape for how long now? Like a week? The Inkscape? Yeah, well, I think, what, about a week? Something like that. So, are you feeling like, you know, like you're going good on it? 
I feel like Inkscape can replace Illustrator 80 percent. I don't. I can't. I haven't used it enough to know that it's not going to work for everything. But I suspect that it's not going to be as powerful as Illustrator when it gets to massive files, where I have like like right now, like uh, what the shit you're doing right now. It's like it's good. It's smooth for you, at least. No, I'm I'm way, way beyond. I think what it can do. If I was just doing like a image, it's no problem. But when you get into something that has like say 100 layers or more, then it gets weird to have that little drop down instead of just having the layers there and being able to immediately unlock and lock and that kind of thing is going to be tough. But again, I don't know if I'm just not nav. I've maybe I haven't found all the ways to navigate Inkscape. I'm not sure. Um, but the video thing is horrible. That's that's. That's a no-go. So I'm um, gonna have to see what happens there. Or the well, that's something we haven't talked about at all. Is 3D and 4D. So has have anybody here done any of that stuff? Um, I use Fusion, Fusion 360 sometimes. And that's for doing like the like a little text that turns into three-dimensional and spins around and catches on fire and does stuff or something? Um, Fusion 3D is like uh, AutoCAD stuff, so like making 3D printer stuff or CNC stuff. Oh, okay. So basically like Illustrator in three dimensions. Yeah. Where you like push uh, and pull. Hey, buddy. Sorry. You can talk to the cat. It's all right. Yeah, it's talking about that's are welcome here. So that's something that I have yet to dig into, but um, I'm curious. Yeah, imagine. Software is free. What is Usually, no. It's super powerful, and it's free if you're like a, you know, one user or something like that, or under ten users, or. So it's free if anyone wants to get into CAD and. Stuff like that. Um, it's great software and it's free. And then there's a dude on YouTube. His name is Lars Christensen, and he makes really good videos. I think he works for Fusion, or he's like the dude who knows the most about Fusion ever in the world. Okay, I was texting, so now I'm back. And uh, let's dig into the next thing, which will be member of the day. So does anybody have somebody we can pick for member of the day? Um, let's see who is on the YouTube side. Or no, the gun channel side. All right, we got... Uh, I'm going to say PNW Woods. Because I've, he's been around a lot. Uh, you know, catching shows and in the lobbies and stuff. So that's what I'm going to say is member of the day. So congratulations. Uh, you win some respect for a night. You have to pass it over mm -hmm. tomorrow night to whoever wins then. But uh, yeah. 
You're the tactical member of the day. They're not tactile, right? Am I just adding that? I think you're, you're adding it. Yeah. Okay. I mean, it's fine. <clears throat> um. Yeah. So what's next? Do we have a gun shop of the day? Um, we're gonna give that one to uh, Midnight since he's over there getting paid and not even saying anything. <laughs> give him a minute to uh, come up with that. And in the meantime, we're gonna jump over to uh, Indiegogo where we got a project going. If I can get the window to open up here, <clears throat> and then I'll screen share. So we started another project to uh, get another uh, deck of cards out that have Second Amendment theme to them. This time it's uh, firearms inventors. Talked about it a bit, and I've been working on the samples or the prototypes, I guess, uh, over the last few weeks over on uh, the live hangouts and, well, basically using the Adobe Illustrator software. And um, ever since, I guess, Tulsa, right? I started playing with, the, well, not since Tulsa, but I used the pictures from Tulsa to kind of practice with this uh, method of getting a cartoon out and then uh, a way to get just Second Amendment information up off the internet or out of a book in a little different way, in a form factor that's a little bit different to, you know, just hold in your hands and to absorb, uh, would be to uh, put it in a playing card deck again. And hopefully that'll appeal to people that like to play poker or do magic tricks or play solitaire or something. And uh, hopefully start some conversations about guns uh, and Second Amendment. And uh, because we're going to include things, I keep using Hunt, the guy that was involved with the uh, volcanic and the lever action. Uh, he invented the safety pin. So just little stuff like that that um, kind of shows these guys were involved in the Industrial Revolution and other aspects of the development of culture and uh, the you know the, the um, our society. Anyway, that's uh, some of the goals to it. Of course, our other goal is to raise some funds uh, for our projects. You know, we're not working with Photoshop anymore. I guess ideally. If we get to our goal of getting a thousand decks printed so that we can have them made here in the United States, there'll probably be some extra funds at some point where we'd be able to acquire some software. But really our goal is just to get another Second Amendment type project out there. And we've priced it this time at about $25 a deck, a little bit cheaper if you're on gun channels or if you grab some of the early ones. But at $25 from our experience making these, we shouldn't lose any money. Uh, and if we can get them made in the United States, we'll make a couple of bucks, and that'll help some of our other projects. So, um, yeah, so anyway. two, two questions. What's the difference between a regular deck and an early bird deck? Just the price. In order to kind of get the ball rolling, a lot of times on a project like this, you start, uh, you offer a certain number. So there's 10 uh, lower price decks available in singles or in pairs. So there's the early bird singles are 20 bucks a piece, and there's already seven out of 10 of those claimed. And then there's uh, uh, gotcha. 10 of them that you can get two of them. And these are kind of, you know, I've noticed that a lot of the campaigns will do this. If you think about it, if I get 10 people to jump on this, that's 400 bucks. And that kind of primes the pump when you're trying to get up to 2,500. Uh, so this can get people an incentive to grab them quick. And then it starts to bring in some funds, which attracts people. Like, oh, this is a project that's got some momentum to it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. What's yeah. the uh, What's the card back look like? Uh, right now, that's a good question. So, this is a different project than the others. We don't just uh, the other ones. We've sort of created the art um, on our own and presented it. This time, since it's uh, 
just a different situation. We don't have the time or luxury to just sit around doing art. I'm going to be creating most of the cards with everybody uh, who's interested. So I uh, explained that in the video this morning. Uh, you can watch the video on the project here to uh, get more info on it. But basically, we'll dig into a different inventor each day. And it takes about an hour to set up a card. So maybe I'll, at this point, I'll have to do maybe a couple a day. And uh, we'll sit around. We'll talk about the inventor, uh, the their firearms or whatever they might have come up, the companies that they started, who they worked with. And we'll just sort of chat in a live format, either on guntube.org or I guess on YouTube here. And then uh, that's where we'll uh, do the art. We'll gather all the stuff. And then um, I'll take that and leave it up as a long format video with all that discussion. Then I'll speed that up and post that as sort of a, it's almost like an animated mm -hmm. uh, right. creation of the art. I'll post that so, uh, everywhere too. As uh, So now there's two pieces of like, content that get created for each card and somewhere along the way to answer your question we'll do the backs of the cards the same way sort of like what we did with the gun channels trading cards we'll do some yeah. sort of thing hopefully enough people will kind of jump in uh people that are interested in firearms history I mean, ideally i'd get some of the people that are really into it you know people that sit around doing channels on this stuff or something i'd be happy to collaborate with them or get their insight onto some of the the neat stuff, really. I mean, anybody can go research any of these guys, but the fun part comes, in, at least for me, in the research when you find out that this guy worked with this company for a while and then you know, things went along and then later, years later they worked together again or this guy worked over here and then he started working for this guy. And uh, some of those interrelationships and stuff are hard to discover unless you just really dig into the histories of each of these people or each of these companies and you know get data from different sources. Because sometimes it's as simple as Smith and Wesson doesn't want to talk about a relationship somebody had with Winchester, maybe, or with Colt. You know, it was just you know the Smith and Wesson company history, and they got no interest in you know <laughs> promoting Colt's history or something. So it's you know just some things are left omitted. Mm -hmm. uh, so anyway, it's going to be a collaborative thing, and it's only running for another ten days. So uh, um, it'll end on Colt's birthday, uh, Samuel Colt's birthday, and we'll see. Uh, I guess it turns out now you can extend a project on Indiegogo. That's a new thing. So we'll see. I mean, I'm not quite to the point where we're even funding it yet. But uh, if we can get close to the thousand decks or something, I'll maybe try extending it. But right now, I'd like it to just end on his birthday. Our, that uh, schedule then will have these out before October. Uh, there should be no problem getting them out before October. So that way people have them well before Christmas or anything. And, uh, you know, if there are uh, if there's an opportunity to get extras, then we'll have them, you know, for the store or something. Mm -hmm. All right, so that's the project. Anybody that's interested, of course, uh, we encourage you to buy a deck. That'll definitely help us out. And uh, if you're not able to or you're just not interested, we encourage you to share the project. The power of these crowdfunding things is that really if, you know, just a thousand people would throw a buck in, you know, that'd get us halfway or whatever to, you know, having these things made in the USA. So. Uh, People that can uh, share it, you never know who's out there that might, you know, $20 is a different, you know, decision for different people. So some people might be able to uh, to throw in $25 just on a whim and you're helping with uh, getting that in front of them is the same as giving us 20 bucks for the project. So we appreciate everybody that takes the time to share this on whatever platforms or in whatever ways. <laughs>
right, so midnight, did you come up with a gun shop of the day? Or... <clears throat> yeah, 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 yeah. Um, it's a it's a range and it's a gun. They do sell guns too, but it's a range. It's uh, and it's pretty new. Um, I was talking to my cousin on Fourth uh, of July. He was just there, and I have had a couple of buddies. I haven't been able to make the trip yet, but um, I have a buddy that took his wife there to shoot an AR for the first time, and it's seven one seven Armory. Um, it's a new indoor range. Um, they pretty cool. It's pretty modern looking. Um, they do firearms training there and you can buy guns, um, and you can rent a bunch of stuff. Uh, I think you can rent full auto there too, which is cool. Um, and you can shoot up to 50 cal inside. Now I don't know if that means 50 BMG or 50, like Beowulf, probably not BMG. Probably pistol. Yeah. Yeah. Or maybe ARs or something. So, um, but I haven't gotten a chance to check it out yet. So I don't know if you, I don't know if you want to look it up and screenshot it. They have some nice pictures on their website. Um, 717 Armory. Yep, there you go. They've got a couple of pictures up, but not uh, all of them yet. Yeah, it's still relatively new. Uh, I think they opened a couple of months ago. Well, maybe six months ago now or something. I don't know. Oh, they rent full auto. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I need to swing in and check it out. I want to talk to the owner. Um, I actually saw him. I was at a funeral a few weeks back, and I saw his truck there. He had his truck with his lo- with the logo on the side, and he was at the service. So I actually wanted to go in and see how we, how we knew the same person too. But um, yeah, it looks like a nice place. You know? Yeah, it looks like they have. I don't know if these are their renter rifles or maybe they sell them, but they got a lot. And then I see they have a 50-yard range and then a 25-yard range. I took the doors. This lounge looks pretty nice. Training. And it looks... Yeah. uh, It looks like it's not sweaty inside. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's it's, it's a little... uh, Yeah, it's kind of... Yeah. Like I said, it's kind of modern looking, for sure. So, I don't know. Hopefully they stick around, you know? Uh, there's not anywhere too close to that other than there that you can rent guns. Uh, if you want, other than when they opened up, if you wanted to rent something, you probably had like a 45 minute drive or something. Um, so that's kind of cool. And I don't think anywhere else does full auto. So hopefully that's a, hopefully that's a good draw for him. I mean, I, <laughs> I definitely want to check them out for that. Maybe around my birthday or something. You know what I mean? Make that like a, you know, like a birthday thing. Yeah, dude. It looks like the pricing. I mean, at least compared to here, is pretty good. I mean, my cousin when my cousin was down, he had said it's, it it seems a little expensive, but maybe that's just for the area. You know what I mean? Yeah. But they are providing something that that nobody else is too. So, I mean, you can charge a premium when you're the only one doing it. You know? Absolutely. So there you go. All right. Well, every day we feature a gun shop to keep gun shops alive. Um, so, yeah, if you have an idea for a gun shop or you want to see your favorite gun shop or whatever gun shop, uh, email it to an email address that GWEBS will tell you now.
uh, dailygunshow at gmail.com. All right. I don't remember anything. Um, so yeah, what do we got for like history today? Uh, so we already talked about Illinois' fifth anniversary of concealed carry. I always look at the history channel site. That's yep. the best one. The link here. So today is July 9th? July, yeah. I mean, yeah, it's the 9th. 9th in 1628, Thomas Morton of Massachusetts became the first person deported from what was now the United, or is now the United States. Nineteen forty-seven, first female army officer. Was so anything like good for guns? It's the most boring dead air portion of the thing. While I read through like pages and pages of. Um, well, I got a couple other ones while you, or I'm just here reading. Um, 1963, JFK named Winston Churchill an honorary U.S. citizen. I never heard of that. Yeah, I've never heard of that either. Is that even legal? Oh, I mean, can't they finish whatever? Fake news. As an honorary citizen, a real citizen, though. Yeah. 2008, MTV's The Real World Leaves Hollywood. Good show that. Um... Nineteen eighteen trains collide outside of Nashville. Eighteen fifty President Taylor dies of cholera. Medicine's pretty cool. There's a lot of stuff in this list, but nothing really all that interesting. It's all pretty specific. Yeah. Um Oh, nineteen seventy one, the United States turns over responsibility for the DMZ. In 1948, Israel became a state and was immediately attacked by their Arab neighbors. About 150,000 Arabs remained in Israel after the founding. Most others fled or were forced out. Um, 1962, Bob Dylan records blowing in the wind. Yeah, but Peter, Paul, and Mary made it famous. Which version do you like better? Let me flip it around this way and ask, in what year did the USS Washington, the first nuclear-powered ballistic missile submarine, launch? 1959. Well, you're cheating. You're looking right at it. <laughs> well, you won. Hmm. I don't know. Cheaters never win. But the important one was the Nautilus. That that's a that's a ballistic missile submarine. The the Nautilus was the first nuclear powered submarine. It's the first one that went underneath the Arctic Circle. And that one is still in Groton and you can tour it. It's really cool. USS right. Fight seventy seven. 
Bob Vanessa's asking, what does a quarter million dollar shotgun feel like when shooting it? I don't know. Probably about probably about forty five bucks worth of shotgun. <laughs> right. Same as a three hundred dollar one. You know, I, I honestly believe shotguns are like wines. You know, if 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 somebody handed you one and you were blindfolded, you would not be able to tell a thirty thousand dollar shotgun from a, a three hundred dollar shotgun. Really? I, I honestly believe that. So let's take it down to something people got a lot more familiarity with, a knife. So somebody gives you a Barlow from Ace Hardware for $399, you're blindfolded, and then they give you, I don't know, just something like a $60 Benchmate or a, something that maybe doesn't feel 100% different in your hands, but you know the quality difference there. You can tell that difference. The yeah, mostly, though, from the weight because of the quality of the steel. Exactly. And that's where I'm thinking you're going to notice that. I mean, when I got my uh, over and under um, that was not super expensive from uh, Russia, that gun was just so much more comfortable and easy to shoot than any of my pumps. It's just a night and day. So I got to assume, and I picked up some expensive shotguns and they just feel like a feather. Well, I think you got to compare apples to apples a little bit, though, too. So if you was to take another over and under that was maybe a cheaper or more expensive i think is what we're talking about yeah i mean you know like i when, when i shoot trap i have this really old shitty remington peerless over and under that's like a it's a fairly short shotgun i think it's only like 26 inches or 24 inches and um i mean i took first place two years in a row and the year after that i came in second the year after that i came in third and I'm shooting against guys that are shooting regular trap shotguns that cost them upwards of fifteen, eighteen hundred bucks. So you know, eh? I guess you know. Yep. I mean, I there's something you like, like uh, what is it? A, a I want to say a Benelli, but that's not probably right. What's a really cool? There's a, a there's an Italian shotgun that comes with like barrel inserts. Now that I can understand being a lot of money because you know that's a very complex piece of equipment where you screw in a barrel sleeve and it makes it a four ten and you screw in a different sleeve and it's a twenty and you know that kind of thing. So that that I can understand because it's a very complex piece of engineering. But generally speaking, you know, eh, shotguns a shotgun. You know, I mean, you know, maybe an, an inertial shotgun. A you know, a Beretta is, is a you know. That's a pretty nice shotgun, pretty unusual design. But most of the most of these other shotguns eh, Yeah, if you get into them. if you get into a semi automatic, I think you could be able to tell. But Yeah, yeah. But when you when you're talking side by sides, over and unders and regular break actions, uh boy, it, it, there's only so many ways to make one of those. I agree. It's mostly materials. And then just little stuff, little interfaces and things. Well, handmade. You know, if if they're if they're handmade and hand fitted, you know, yeah, okay, I can see there being a premium on that because people's, you know, in the old days it used to be the materials was the most important part. Now it's the labor that's the most important part when it comes to a hand fitted gun. Right, because you're paying for that person's knowledge and ability. 
So it's like a pool stick. I mean, you can play pool with a pool stick, and then people get their own pool sticks, right? Yeah, you go to Walmart and buy one for 20 bucks, so you can go buy a $300 stick and a beautiful box, you know, and all that kind of stuff. So the question is, do you go buy a really expensive shotgun off the shelf, or do you go put, put an order in, they measure you, and you get your shotgun? Yeah, that would. then it might be worth the money. If you're having something custom made, you know, that's like the difference between a Shelby, you know, and a regular Mustang, you know. Mm -hmm. Like it's your cheek and your arm and your length of your trigger finger and that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. Like it's just comfortable. You're not adjusting at all. You're just putting your hands up. Right. Yep. But but when you just go buy, a, you know, a, a $3,000 shotgun, you know, off the shelf, it's like, eh, okay. But again, money's different to everybody, and yeah, you know, lots of different things can result in the kind of cash that you can spend on something. And again, everybody's got a different. That's why they make all this different stuff, and we're capitalists, and we don't have to just go get the generic shotgun from the state. The but I, I think a lot of it is just the ooh factor of saying you know oh i have this really expensive gun that i paid all this money for it's like yeah okay fine can you shoot it <laughs> right yep. you see that in my industry too where guys go out and buy three four hundred dollar chef's knives and can't uh can't can't swing a knife to save their lives do you yeah you know you, you watch them dice stuff and it's like oh my god you know what a ham-handed guy that guy is yeah, yeah, old four old four fingers over here with his three hundred dollar knife, you know. <laughs> All right, well, I appreciate everybody jumping in. We're uh in kind of still a flux here. We're gonna just come up with some uh scheduling here as this dog is done with her cosmetic surgeries. I'll be able to start walking and whenever I can start walking with her, we'll have a schedule for the early watch and then that should give me a better idea of what kind of times i can schedule try to start doing some interviews and stuff for this show and uh we'll turn it into more of a mosaic of uh looking back on some projects looking forward at new stuff and then uh interviewing some gun shop owners and some second amendment advocates and things like that so uh Let's see, we uh, have a couple people jumped in. Midnight, you have a show on Sundays. Got anything else coming up this week? Uh, not scheduled, no. Um, try and get a video done this this week if I can. Um, things have been a little tight at work, you know. But uh, if I can get something done, I will. If Are they not, uh, Ellis doesn't wash dishes very good, and now you have to do his job for him? I'm telling you, that I'm telling you, I'm trying to get him up here, but he won't come. He don't. He don't. He doesn't want to leave uh, the the Carolinas. It's night strike. Nobody's gonna just leave that kind of a vicinity. Night strike. You'd th you'd think you'd you'd think you'd be running for the hills, right? So another thing I was gonna ask you about is this uh, pancake with the uh, knife and fork underneath of it. Oh, I guess that's a tender subject, and I should have not breached that publicly. I can't. Wow, I guess. Apologize enough for even bringing it up. I don't know what I was thinking. So well, what's the deal with this? What an, ama what an amazing time to get booted out of the call. Huh? Uh -huh. So what's the deal with this pancake and knife and fork? Can you elaborate on that? Yeah. Um, a couple of years ago, my wife sent me a picture of it. Um, it was on Instagram or something. I don't know. She found it and she's like, oh, this is really cool, isn't it? This is neat. Um, 
so when I uh, started doing YouTube, um, it just popped into my head to use as my avatar. Um, just because I thought it was neat and it fit me, and I'm, I like skulls, right? And everybody likes skulls. Skulls are cool. And it was a pancake. Um, so uh, I actually searched it on the internet, and I actually found the, the gentleman's name is Nathan Shields. If you go onto my playlist, there's a nation, Nathan Shields playlist. It's just one one thing, uh, but he's the one that created it. He's the one that did it. He does pancake art, um, and he does some really cool stuff. Uh, so uh, I got a hold of him, and uh, just through the comment section, which was really neat, and I said, uh, you know, I'm a chef, uh, and I'm, you know, using this as my avatar. I'm going to start doing shows. And, you know, out of respect, I wanted to get your okay, your permission to use it. And he, he did, which was really cool. So I've been using it since. Um, I, I eventually want to probably change it and update it and do something a little bit cooler. But uh, it's been what I've been using the whole time. And so I stick with it. It's neat. And that's it. That was a pretty cool story. So it's just that you just, that's the picture that he posted whenever it was. Like you didn't. Photoshop it or anything. It's the no, I didn't do anything. Yeah, um, he did the pancake, and I, I, I'm not sure if he's the one that posted with the uh, the knife and fork in the plate. It's a plate, actually. I mean, it's hard to tell. Right. It's, the, it's on the plate, and it has a knife and fork blood. But I didn't do anything. No, I just, I just uh, swiped it off the internet. <laughs> right on. So I don't know if people can tell because it just kind of looks like a, I don't know, maybe a drawing or something. But it's where you take a pancake mix and you stick it in like a ketchup bottle and you uh -huh, squirt yeah. down some in like a pattern and then you wait a little bit and let that cook and you squirt down some more and then your effect is that you've got different shades of brown and golden whatever color pancakes are uh -huh, yep. it, got that image then yeah and uh, so like i said if you, like that? what's that you do that ever i've tried it a couple of times but now i've never i i mean it's something you definitely would have to work at like crazy i mean like any other art um i think people you know do mickey mouse pancakes and stuff but to do something like that or some of the other stuff he does or some other people do it obviously it's pretty amazing i, I really have a lot of respect for what he does and it's neat because he has his kids in the videos with him and stuff too he's a family man so it's it's pretty neat um yeah it, I, I mean i recommend um, go to that playlist and uh you know at least watch that video but if you go on to uh you know to watch any others leave some comments for me and, and say hi <laughs> seems like a really nice guy right now yeah uh, cycle anything coming up any trips no not till august i'm going to i'm going to norway in august but uh other than that things are pretty quiet like i said it's it's time to start looking at political campaigns and you know we're we're getting rid of our uh, piece of crap governor and and the the big problem is that our our uh, attorney general is uh, leaving his position as well and the guy that wants to take it is the idiot from the uh, from the judiciary committee the really anti-gun guy so we're very concerned because you know the, the the attorney general really has a very big impact on the uh, on the laws and stuff to get passed. So we're we're really concerned about Tong not getting in as Attorney General. So the the two campaigns I'll be the I'll be working on the campaign for the uh, guy that wants to be Lieutenant Governor, 
and uh, also uh, one of the other gals. It's a, a local, you know, district representative. So that should be fun. Um, I mean, you've got a lot of population there, but it can't be that big compared to, you know, like a New York or something. So is there like satisfaction or whatever? Like, can you tell? Like, can you be making it? Can you, is it possible to tell you're making a difference? Like by, I don't know, having a day's worth of successful phone calls where people are like, yeah, that's good. I never thought about it that way. No, I, I think you just, I think you just do it because it's the right thing to do. You know, it, it's not like because something. It's well, not like we're, gonna gain we're outnumbered so badly. You know, we're outnumbered so badly here in Connecticut between the liberals and and the uh, and you know the people that and not and not not that all liberals are bad people or anything. That's why I say liberal versus Democrat because I had a I had a rep who was a Democratic rep here in my area who was a fantastic Second Amendment person. She was incredible, and unfortunately, she retired a couple of years ago. But the, the biggest problem is, you know, we're outnumbered, and 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 that's true in a lot of the country. I mean, you know, the the uh, the, the liberal Democrats, the progressive liberal Democrats, just they just outnumber us, and there's not much you can do. But you can't give up the fight just because you know you think you might lose. You you know, because then you've already lost the fight. You know, if you give up before you even start, then they already win. So you gotta you gotta at least put up a fight and say, hey, this is what we're gonna do. Right on. Great attitude. Uh, Clover. Oh, I don't have anything going on, man. Um, yeah. Tomorrow is Tuesday, so yeah, you got a day off, right? Same old, same old thing. Yeah, nothing tomorrow. I'll sit in with Ghost, probably. Uh, so, plug in, I guess. Tactical Tuesday, 8 Eastern. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm still working on... Um, had some really had a really good response. Of course, I did the last time. I did the, I did an ask the experts, which I did, and that was on Friday. And I did uh, had a gunsmith, and then I had a uh, an instructor on, and I had a really good response with that. I don't know why I didn't pursue that a little further with doing some more of that in the Friday show. So I've been working on trying to get some more instructors, gunsmiths. Um, appraisers, believe it or not, I think it'd be really cool to have some appraisers on and talk to those guys about what they deal with, what kind of firearms they see, and that sort of stuff. Um, and do more of a, you know, I guess kind of promote some of the maybe some the, some of the unsung people out there in the industry. Um, but uh, yeah, the Wednesday show, I really want to shift that up, and I've got some some kids and some families on the schedule but i don't have anybody for this wednesday as of yet so i'm really not sure yet what we're doing there uh, i've been holding out hoping that somebody would commit to that date but i want to shift the next generation show around a little bit and try to start scheduling some actual youth competitive shooters um you know all the way up maybe even into the collegiate level a little bit i think that's close enough to youth that uh, they're not so far removed. I think that that could be inspiring and, and a benefit and just kind of give them the, the recognition they deserve for being out there and promoting the sport and the community and all that kind of stuff. And hopefully everybody hear their stories. I think that's super important because, you know, as you're doing stuff like that, the little kids always get credit because they're doing it and they're little kids and they need encouragement and everybody thinks it's cool. And then once they've been doing it for a while, especially if they're not winning, then it's like the most yeah. 
ignored element of everybody and the ones that are seriously still in it because they're interested or they're pursuing a scholarship or they're good or whatever it is they've got that drive yeah that's awesome to recognize yeah and, and you bring up two things there that that well, as i'm putting this out there I, i'm trying to stress these the two points that you hit on which is which is cool i expect nothing less from you g um and that's this i'm not looking for world champions state champions necessarily that sort of thing uh when i put it out there i let them know hey as long as they're involved in you know the competitive world of shooting sports or whatever um it could be a kid that's, that's shot for years and never won a match their their story of you know how they got their you know what type of equipment they use the different matches they compete in you know, they may be the ones, even though they've never won a match, to inspire somebody else. Uh, and then on the uh, scholarship college thing you was talking about, I know that uh, my youngest one, when she was going through all of these scholarship processes, it was uh, really important. Something we did for her was we had people in the community and we sent her to them and had them like interview her, right? And so it might be really good for some of these kids coming up that are in high school that are looking toward college and are going to have those interviews and stuff like that. So this type of a setting may be beneficial as practice for things like that as well. So, uh, yeah, it's, it's kind of neat. It's got some, some multi, you know, kind of a multi-angle type purpose for the show. I've got a couple of things that I'll throw out there that, Feel free if they are interesting to use as topics. But first thing that came to mind when you were saying that, well, a thing that came to mind when you were saying that, um, you know, so I was in scouts and shooting was a tiny piece of scouts. It, it was there, but mm -hmm. as a tradition or something, it was obligatory. It wasn't like an emphasized or anything. Yeah. I suspect with 4-H it's different because you guys really have a program for it that has something, you know, some reason to do it. Yeah, it's a, it's a, yeah, it's a, it's part of 4-H. It's like yeah, a, it's a, yeah. where yeah. it was one of like hundreds of merit badges from scouts. Right. So I guess what I'm saying is um, we get, as kids for sure, and I'm guessing as parents also, you get compartmentalized. You get focused in on whatever it is you're familiar with, but then mm -hmm. you might not be aware of like maybe what scholarships are available for school Egypt, this or that, or apple seed or something. And I'm trying to remember back when I was a kid, there was really, and I don't know if the things weren't there or if they just didn't bother to try to cross reference or whatever that would be. But mm -hmm. like, let's say you're at a um, child, sa or what is it, hunting safety class. A lot of times those are required by the state for kids to go hunting, or at least at some age. Like, is there anything that says like, and here's all the ways you can pursue firearms? Or is there something like, if you're in 4-H, it says, here's all the other youth firearms, or if you're in scholastic, that's called no. it. Here's all the other youth things. No, I mean, it's it really is sad. There's really no uniformity to it all. Everybody kind of, it's like you said, it's compartmentalized and they do their own thing. And okay. as far as the, as far as the scholarships that not just to do, not just like industry level or niche level or whatever it is scholarships, but we learned real quick that across the board, there's, I would I would venture to guess tens if not hundreds of thousands of scholarships available, and you you literally you have to put in the time and the effort and the work and and hunt those down because they don't just you know they don't advertise them every night on the evening news that hey we give away ten thousand dollars scholarships right 
So, I mean, you've really got to go dig and look for that. And, and quite often, you know, there's only three or four kids that even apply for that, yeah, which is, which is like, crazy. Like a so, winter or like uh, somebody who's like a conservative, like, but, you know, interested in the shooting, in the shotgun sports or something. So, mm-hmm. yeah, there's like a grant or something for 3000 bucks for the kid who mm-hmm. gets three different kind of geese or something, right? Yeah, yeah. There's all types of um, yeah. There's all types of things that cross over, but you know one thing I've noticed in trying to make contact with with people is I've actually contacted like sponsors and some organizations and some different things, right? And I don't know if they're copping out behind it or if it if it's a policy issue or what. But I'll reach out, you know, I share a playlist of the show. I say, hey, here's a playlist of the show, but we're taking this in a different direction. So don't, you know. <laughs> This kind of gives you our track record, but, you know, understand this is not what, you know, we're going to be talking about with these kids and that sort of thing. Um, and then basically laying it out, you know, what we're looking for. We're looking for any, any kids that are in families that are active in, in competitive shooting sports at, at some level, uh, you know, re- preferably regional level or better. Uh, blah 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 and you know could they help maybe with some contact information for their team or their roster or their this and i've been met with so much of that from the organization at the organizational levels and stuff and the sponsor levels it's like oh we don't have that information or oh we can't give out that information and it it's it's kind of disheartening but then when you make contact with those people they're gung-ho about it (laughs) they're excited about doing something like that um so it's really it's really weird that there's that that barrier there, and I don't know, I don't know if that's you know I don't know if they don't give it out because of legal issues, privacy issues, but you know they don't have to give it out. They could give my information to them, right? Could go the other way exactly, and that yeah. makes no yeah. sense that they don't want to act as the whatever you call that. Like, well, it's almost like they fear that somebody's going to glom on to their shooters or something. You know what I'm saying? It's, oh, I see. it's really weird, almost like we're competing instead of we're all, you know, we all have the same goal, right? Well, all right, so let me transition to another thing that, again, I don't know if you want to take it as a topic or maybe just uh, explore it a second here. Um, but I've been noticing that uh, the kids from Florida are on that tour, and we were talking about it, or they were talking about it maybe in a chat. I've been listening to the chats more. Um uh, somebody was talking about it, I think, though, and that made me go look because they I had thought it was just a tour of Florida that they were looking at going to every county or every voting precinct or something like they were going to hit everything of some, you know, basically every corner of Florida. But then it turns out they're doing a multi-state 60 day thing or something. And uh, I think it was Dead Horse talking about it because he was saying how it was going to go through uh, his neck of the woods. And sure enough, it's going to California and it's going all over the place. So, you know, that's, of course, funded by um, the, I think it was a GoFundMe that was started by one of the kids at the high school, I imagine, right after. So it has something to the effect of like 3.8 million there. And then I was curious if someone had posted how much that tour was going to cost, or maybe somebody was projecting how much it might cost, because you figure it's got to be some amount of kids and then chaperones, and then probably some media people right like cameras or whatever it would take to make it worth their while to even do that i mean they're doing it as a publicity thing to change uh, representatives minds so they're going to need to bring resources to do that so it's going to cost something 
and I'm assuming they're flying and they're going to hotels and they're renting cars and that kind of thing. So anyway, I figure somebody could at least project what it probably could cost, you know, on a budget or something. But anyway, uh, I did find that they did some kind of whatever march in Washington, D.C., and they publicized on NPR, which I'm guessing isn't shy in the numbers. I don't know. But anyway, NPR said that that march cost $5 million and that they had several million dollars left over to do whatever. And then subsequently the march, or excuse me, the tour was announced. So I don't know what several means, but uh, it sounds like there's significantly more than the 3.8 million that was raised like on the public number on the GoFundMe or whatever. It says 3.8 million. Yeah. And I think it's still counting. So, you know, I don't know where they got the five plus several. But yeah. anyway, I'm just thinking like that's kicking the nuts that there's that much support for something that I feel for is exploiting Anthony. kids, right? Yeah. And using uh, a, a, a situation to, you know, to push their agenda. So anyway, of course, that got me thinking as you were talking about the the kids that don't get much recognition or anything for doing the positive Second Amendment stuff. Um, and maybe you kind of answered it when you just said that, when you're just talking about your uh, frustration a minute ago. But um, I see a couple of kids that are on Instagram. Like I'll be watching somebody on Instagram who's maybe a competitive shooter or some sort of a person who wears one of them shirts that has all the sponsor things on it. Yeah. Sure. Right. Yeah. And then like they'll be uh, taking a picture with some little kid. And uh, it always amazes me because some of these kids are like 12, 14 years old and they're really good. Like they're really competitive. And oh, able. yeah, yeah, yeah. They shoot with the adults a lot of times. Right. Yeah. So, and I know that some of those um, are sponsored by like legit ammunition, mm -hmm. and guns and, mm -hmm. you know, everything like CCW insurance, like all the things that you'd need to be on the road and shooting a million bullets to get that proficiency. So anyway, I'm wondering, has there been anything? And I'm hoping it's not in reaction to these kids in Florida, but hopefully there's already been some kind of a tour that's on its third or fourth year. But is there some kind of a tour for these kids to go out, kind of like the Annie Oakley used to do, do exhibition shoots, talk to kids, inspire 4-H clubs, like, hey, go do this, you know, beyond what 4-H is letting you do, go pursue it even more. There's more to do. No, no, not that I'm aware of. Like I said, it's, it's there's two things that, that is extremely frustrating. Um, number one is it seems like it seems like as far as we're going to talk about this issue in the terms of the left and the right, okay? But the, the you know the Florida kids being the left and then the ones we just discussed being the right. But it, it seems like the ones on the left have have such an advantage in that there's more people out there just willing to dump cash all over them to spread the message to better their cause to whatever. Um, and it's like pulling teeth for, you know, these small organizations, be it a 4-H club or FFA or, or even Boy Scouts or whatever to, you know, raise money, be it, be it a raffle or anything else, let alone somebody donate, you know, kick off a GoFundMe and they get to be two or three million dollars. That's just insane. Uh, we had a GoFundMe at one time and it, you know, I think it got to like 500 bucks, which I was a little over 500 bucks, which I was tickled with. But I mean, that was just crazy i mean we were wanting to get some land and build a range so the goal was like seventy five thousand dollars or something like that for the land we were looking at and it run for a couple of years and just never and honestly that could be like and it was awesome. just it's just sad that could be like five or a hundred people that could probably write off a grand you know taxes or something. yeah but you can't find it's what i'm saying you can't 
you can't the left just it just seems like people just hand them money left right and center and it with the right side of that that coin or whatever it's like pulling teeth i mean you just literally you just can't can't do it and and you would think that they would be just as passionate if not more about it and then the second part of that is it seems like there's mo more cohesiveness between the factions that have the same interest at heart on the left as opposed to the right. And that's what I talk about with be it FFA or 4-H or Boy Scouts or this particular club or that particular club or whatever uh, or organization across the country is they're so afraid that a kid is going to go from this club to that other club. You well, know? True, right? So instead of, hey, let's all better the community, and if we lose a couple of members here and they're doing it, oh, well, we get more kids shooting in the long run. Um, they just don't subscribe to that. So they play cards really close to their chest. They don't, they don't necessarily play well with other organizations. It's really sad what I've seen for the most part. Uh, that is a good point, though, because like you say, if there was somebody in scouts and then they went, oh, I can go to 4-H and shoot all the time. You know, then, but they're not looking at it that that kid's still participating and he's still in a civic organization. Yeah, yeah. I, I want to mention two things about that uh, because I think you touched on something, a couple things that are really important. The first one is the progressive left is much better organized than we are. And there's no question about that. But the second thing is you can't discount the value of the media exposure that those kids get you know the, the fact that mainstream media is running these kids up the flagpole means that there are literally tens of millions of people in the country who see that and when these these campaigns go on it's like oh yeah those are those kids i like those kids you know donate 10 bucks and whereas because our our stuff gets suppressed so badly by the mainstream media mm -hmm. it's very difficult to do a grassroots uh, endeavor like that. And, and that's that's one of the constant complaints of, of conservative activists is it is so hard to get the message out because the mainstream media just won't carry the message. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's really a shame. Yeah. Well, I mean, and, and G hit on this earlier when he was talking about the Indiegogo and he's talking about to prime the pumps, right? So we got a couple of state-level politicians and when I was trying to do the fundraising for this land, I went and talked to them and they both pledged $1,000 once we got to the point to where that's all we needed was their $1,000. Then they would, they would kick in their $1,000 is what they told me. So in other words, instead of them writing a check for $1,000 to help prime that pump and we could say, hey, these congressmen, this congressman and this senator are on board and they've donated $1,000 each to the program. And we could put that out there in the papers and everything else because that would be a big deal, right? That they would find it. They don't want it to fail because they helped start it. Yeah, they, they'd be helping to promote it. Yeah, right. But instead of helping to kickstart it and promote it, you know, I don't know what their, I don't know what their fear was, but they wanted to do it on the back end. Um, and that just, I think it might would have gone differently had they, you know, said, okay, we'll bring the kids by tomorrow or next week and we'll cut a check and we'll have the newspaper here or the whatever, you know, that could have been an awesome opportunity to actually raise some money. Um, but 
you know, whether they weren't thinking that way or they were thinking in ways that it might come back to haunt them later, I don't know. But that's, unfortunately, that our side, all too often, that's how things work. And it really, it's really disheartening. But, you know, we, we just got to find other ways to get it done. And, you know, maybe I know my show's small. I know that, you know, but then again, it's out there on multiple platforms and whatever. So if I can get some of these kids on, maybe you know, something will get it'll catch some traction and maybe some other podcasts will start doing the same things. I mean, you never know. Oh, that's one of the things I wanted to talk about since it's Monday and we're already running over time. I'm going to bring it up anyway. So uh, have you heard of Anchor podcasting app? Um, yeah. So Brandon uses that and it's a phone app. And it uh, was originally for five-minute blogs, and I guess pretty quick they figured out, well, that was interesting. Nobody really wanted to listen to a five-minute blog, so they have now expanded it to however long you need your blog to be, I think. Mm -hmm. uh, but what's neat about it is you just run it right through your phone, and from the Anchor app, it gets distributed out to all your podcast syndication things like uh, Stitcher and iTunes. Sure, right. And I just yeah. thought that was kind of neat. I've been thinking about exploring it for some of the uh, chats I want to do on a weekly basis. And mm -hmm. it's kind of appealing to be able to just uh, uh, something that's, again, maybe a couple of videos I'm just going to mention and then have a little bit of a talk about something and not make it a, a discussion type of format. Then it might be quick to get a couple of podcasts going that way. Have you used it? I have not used it. I know people that do. But I have I have not. Maybe get Brandon in the chat and see what his experiences are with it. He seems to be really happy with it, though. And I know from just chatting with him in the evening chats that uh, it reaches people that, you know, he's a gun person. He'll, he doesn't hide his gun opinions or anything, but these are like science fiction movie type of chats or podcasts. So, uh, you know, his audiences are, uh, or he, he reaches a lot of different people out there. All right, well, I wanted to say thanks to whoever it was that it looks like somebody put a bid on one of the knives I have up on eBay. I've been posting those. Um, I had them on the 24-7 uh, gun show. I've been posting them up over on eBay. Uh, I need to get some scratch coming in, so I appreciate that. And again, anybody who can help with uh, sharing the, the Firearms Inventor playing card project that's got another 10 days on it, really do appreciate all the help with sharing that out there. And... Um, I think we got through everybody except Angelina. She walked away. I don't know if she's back. Oh, dang. Well, I had a lead over here on something, but it turned out that didn't work. Um, so I don't know what Angelina's got going on. I know she showed some uh, those butterfly-looking patches today. They look kind of cool. Yeah, she, black, black, black butterfly. That's one of the most popular 458. Oh, uh, that demo? Right now, yeah. Yeah, it's black butterfly, yeah. Yeah, I thought that was pretty cool. Or just a neat-looking patch with the little yeah. M and orange. Yeah. yeah, they are. I like them. Um, otherwise, though, uh, tomorrow is today's Monday, right? So tomorrow's Tuesday, and that means we'll, if I'm awake, we'll do early watch. Uh, Tony and I both kind of leaving it by year tomorrow. And uh, Knives does his daytime chats. I want to thank the people that support Knives uh, by buying the stickers over on uh, um your websites, uh, those are $25, and as soon as we get somebody buys one, we send $20 straight over to Knives. 
for uh, say thanks for him helping out. Uh, let's see, tomorrow's Tuesday, so it'll be Ghost. It'll be um, Ellis. It'll be Big Rick, the Gunner. I'm doing those out of order, I think. Ghost Night Strike. Night Strike. I forgot Big, about him. Big Gunner and Ellis, I believe, is the order. And then after all those warm-up shows, we'll we'll come in to finish it off at midnight Eastern. So uh, thanks, everybody, for showing up here. I don't know if anyone's going to be doing something after. I'm not seeing anything in the chats about that. Let me go look over the main page real quick. See if anybody's posted uh, an open room. Looks like um, Dead Horse does have one going. And uh, it's titled, Why the 9mm is Weak and Ineffective and Why Real Men Carry the 380. So that should be an interesting discussion. Anybody wants to follow, that's already going over on the Gun Channel's main page. I might do a thing, but it's only a maybe. Well, Dead Horse already has a show going. You're going to cork him? Um, I don't know. I mean, probably not, because I like to hang out with Dead Horse. He's a good guy. Right on. Well, I guess we covered everything. Again, we kind of ran a little late today, but uh, that's what happens. Uh, we will... Oh, does anybody have a quote? I got a quick one. That'll work. This is from Clint Smith. You have the rest of your life to solve your problems. How long you live depends on how well you do it. That was from Clint. The guys and gals of GunWebsites.com encourage you to take a CCW class every year, practice at least once a month, and carry every day. Thanks for watching GunWebsites.com. Make some pancakes, make some bacon pancakes. Take some bacon and I'll put it in a pancake. Bacon pancakes, that's what it's gonna make. Bacon pancakes. Bacon pancakes, make some bacon pancakes.